welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. The mission of Man Talks and the mission of this podcast is to help develop self-aware, high-performing, and impactful men in the world, the type of men that you want to be around. So today, in order to do that, in order to accomplish on our mission, we have a very special guest by the name of Phil Randazzo. Phil's a friend of mine uh, who I've been connecting with the last little while. Uh, he runs a company called American Dream U. At a very young age, Phil quickly realized the value of hard work and from busing tables at his father's restaurants to working three summer jobs at the age of 15 until graduating college and starting his first company at the age of 24, his time is, is currently, currently now, his time is spent writing, consulting, and developing a national entrepreneurship and coaching program called American Dream U. So he's a, a background in entrepreneurship. And really what American Dream U is, it's, it's held at military bases around the world. And American Dream U is, is a nonprofit organization that assists the military in transitioning into a civilian life. So the program is taught by some of the world's best and most successful entrepreneurs. I am lucky enough to be uh, going to work with Phil's organization later on this year, and I will be leading a course uh, with with some of the Army Rangers, actually, which is pretty cool, down in the States uh, for about 500 Army Rangers to help them transition as they transition from the military, from the Army out into the real world again. And so this episode is actually all about transition. This entire episode, we, we talk about, you know, how to transition properly. We talk about, you know, some of the challenges that people face in the military and, you know, some of the challenges that they face going out of the military and into civilian life. Uh, we, we talk about how that's very relatable to people that are transitioning from a corporate career into entrepreneurship uh, or from, you know, from a marriage to being divorced. So this whole episode is how to navigate transition and lessons from the military. It's a really, really incredible episode. So whether you're dealing with a transition right now, whether you're dealing with one that's coming up, or whether you'd like to understand a transition that's recently happened, uh, I definitely, definitely am excited for you to listen to this episode. So without any further delay, I would like to bring on Mr. Phil Randazzo. Hey, thanks, Connor. So listen, man, like we've been we've been chatting for a while. I love the work that you do and I've been following it along for quite a long time. And I think that the listeners are really in for a treat, especially as we talk about transitions. So before we dive into that, before we dive into the work and talking about transition, can you tell us a story about yourself that's that's really defined who you are today and what and what you do in the world? Yeah, so it goes back it goes back 14 years, um, March twenty-six of 2003. I can remember it, Connor, like it was yesterday. And it was right. It was a week after the Iraq war started and I was watching TV and there was all these anti-war protesters and people just stopping traffic and just a lot of negativeness out there for people's belief on, you know, should we be there or not? And I just kind of thinking, you know, there's 18, 19, 20 year old kids over there fighting, right? They were told to, to go over there. They, they do an amazing job and their parents are home watching you know, all this crazy behavior. I'm thinking, you know, I looked at my wife, I said, you know, we need to have a pro troops rally. We need to show these young men and women that you know, there's people out there that support them. And she kind of rolled her eyes at me, which you know, we've been married 26 years. So I, I'm used to that. 
And within four days, I had, gosh, 4,000 people come to my office parking lot to show support, you know, for those that were deployed, you know, fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it just, it was that moment then where I felt, man, my life needs to be more about service to others and showing appreciation to others. So yeah, that just, that's kind of what got, you know, got me here to this point. Incredible, man. Incredible. So unpack a little bit for us the the work that you do, because you work predominantly alongside the U.S. military uh, and your your program, American Dream U, is is really incredible. And, and uh, you know, I've been looking forward to coming down and speaking at your event. And, and actually, a bunch of our past guests have come and spoken on your stage, like Philip McKernan and Greg McEwen. And there, there's a few others, but but those two stand out for me. So maybe give our listeners a little bit of insight into what you do, and then we'll dive into, you know, how to effectively manage transition. Yeah. So in the military right now, in 2017, there's 21,000 men and women leaving the military every month. That's a big number, Connor. And so wow. it's, you know, they have, a tw- you know, 12 months to prepare for this transition. And as you know, we kind of put off things. And so all of a sudden, these, these men and women who serve, you know, they, they have an amazing team around them. Uh, they fight with them. They live with them. They train with them. And all of a sudden, there's this timeline coming up and a whole bunch of uncertainty for some about what's next in my life. So I bring entrepreneurs like you and, you know, you mentioned Greg McEwen and uh, Philip McKernan and Grant Cardone and Tim Ferriss, all these amazing people that just to come share with those that are in the process of transitioning and let them know what's possible. And so... Yeah, we've had 46 events, 14,000 attendees, and over, gosh, close to 300 speakers, you know, share with these men and women. It's just been, it's just been incredible. And so now we're four years into it. And so we're starting to hear of what some of the first soldiers who went through our program, it's just an awesome way to get these guys back. I mean, they have so many skills, Connor, but they just don't realize they're surrounded by greatness within the military. And so, yeah, so we're, we're excited. We're, we're excited. We've got a lot more work to do. But transitions are tough. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I I can't imagine. You know, I think it's interesting. I I really wanted to have you on for so many reasons, but in a big way because I think that when you look at the transition out of the military and back into civilian life, you know, it really they face a very specific set of challenges. Uh, you know, in in terms of the life that they've lived in the military and then transitioning into civilian life, which can be a lot different. And so let's, can we just talk about their transition first before we dive into the relatability and, and how we can manage transition? I would love to hear your insight on, on what, are, what are some of the challenges that people face normally when they're transitioning from the military back to civilian life? Yeah, so first, you know, I'm not a veteran. You know, I've spent 14 years with the military, so I've gotten to know the men and women. So, so here's kind of what I've, what I've heard. And again, this is, this is off of thousands of, of guys, uh, men and women, you know, they, a lot of them join the military straight from high school, Connor. So they go from living at home, uh, right to the military, you know, training, uh, having purpose every single day and a mission, right. And that's, and that's to protect and serve our country. And so all of a sudden when that mission and purpose goes away and Philip McKernan just did an unbelievable job at a, at a couple of our events, it's there's so much uncertainty that wraps around that, right? And so we've literally had army rangers, right? Some of the most badass guys on the planet literally tell me, and I've actually speaking on our stages and said, I'd rather go back to Afghanistan and transition out of the military. There's just so much uncertainty involved in that. So, you know, and, and for the and for the young men or you know, and women who are go straight from high school, they feel and they're told 
through the military, their transition program, that if they don't have a high school, you know, college degree, they're going to face a whole bunch of challenges in terms of employment, uh, become an entrepreneur because they need that certificate on the wall. And I think, I think you kind of feel the same way I do. That certificate on the wall is a far less meaning, you know, meaningless than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so difficult. It's almost difficult to explain because it, you know, these guys, I've never gone to combat, Connor. I don't, I don't think you've ever gone to combat or even into a, a team kind of a fight camaraderie thing. It is just, there's so much uncertainty around that. And so their transition can be difficult. You know, we're losing between 22 and 54 a day to suicide. And I got to testify in front of Congress and I asked the question, I said, where's the biggest percentage of these suicides coming? Is it five years after they get out? And they said the biggest percentage is within the first hundred days after they leave the military. So there's definitely a correlation between leaving their tribe and becoming a civilian and having that um, that day where they wake up where they decide they just had no more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I know that that's, you know... It, Pretty, pretty close to an epidemic. I don't know what else there, what else to call it. But when, when that many people, you know, are struggling to integrate, they're struggling to reconnect, and those are the choices that they feel like they're left with. It's, it's, it's pretty horrible. But you know, in terms of transitioning out, when they're, when they're looking at reintegrating into society, like, you know, is it really that they feel like they're missing out on the camaraderie and the, and the team aspect? You know, does how can we as civilians support veterans? you know, around North America, whether it's Canada or the United States? You know, that that's a great question. And, and we've been really struggling with that, right? So, I mean, there's there's employers who say, listen, hey, I want to hire a veteran and let's bring them in here. And then all of a sudden they stick a veteran in a, in a cubicle, right? And give them some tasks to do. I mean, there's not much mission around that. So I think I think what we can do is try to create an environment where they can lead a small team or be a part of a team and feel like they're doing something bigger than themselves because that's what they did in the military, right? I mean they I can't think of another job where they raise their hand and say, hey, listen, I'm willing to die for my country, whether it's whether it's a US soldier or a Canadian soldier. And I've worked with a lot of Canadian soldiers on the same type of a thing. So, you know, creating that tribe and I think, you know, for those, and I know you have a lot of military fans, you gotta I think it's so important to find a new tribe when you get out. Mm. And that could mean, you know, working alongside some other veterans. It could mean starting your own business, but really finding a tribe and finding mis- um, you know, mission and, and purpose in your life going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because we've actually had a couple guys that are former military who have joined, you know, our mastermind groups for man talks. And, and they've said it's been one of the most incredible things, not, not necessarily because, you know, not, not that these groups were on a specific mission, but it, because it, it gave them a sense of that brotherhood that you get within the military and it connects them with a sense of their own internal mission in their life, you know, creating something out, whether it's through their work or reconnecting with their family or building a community, whatever, whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool to hear. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, when they get back into the civilian world and, you know, they start connecting with people are there thoughts or, or emotions that seem to get in the way and, and block them from like really, really connecting with people? Because it seems to be, you know, obviously there's a whole, the whole kind of worms around PTSD, which is a whole separate conversation. But it, it seems to me that, that the mindset of somebody in the military is often 
functionally different from the mindset of somebody that's just your everyday civilian. So what are some of the contrasts that you've seen between between that? Yeah, so I think one thing, you know, the average deployment, I, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but a lot of these men and women have deployed at least four to six times over the last 10, 12 years, right? So when they go in and they, they sit beside someone, whether it's a working relationship or they go back to school, I think they feel like no one understands what they've been through. And to be honest with you, other than talking to these men and women and visiting, you know, Walter Reed and Bethesda, all these, all these hospitals, I can't relate in a way that I understand what it likes to be constantly under, under fire being deployed, right? I think they feel like maybe they're not understood and no one understands what they're going through. And then, you know, if you go to college, let's say you, you serve eight years in the military, then you go to college, you know, you're 26, 27 year old going to school with 19 year olds. Mm. Right. And so that whole age gap, I mean, I'm sure you were a different person at, at age 26 than 18. I, I think they really struggle with that. It's almost like happy, not happy Gilmore. What's the movie where Adam Sandler goes back to school? Oh, uh, oh man, it's just on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Billy Madison. Billy Madison, right? Right. He's sitting there and he's going back to school with all these young kids. And obviously it's a, a bad example. I'm not relating the military to, to Billy Madison, but I think they feel like they just, they struggle. And then, and then when they go into the workforce, so I had Anthony from Hotel Impossible speak for us. And, you know, he gets out of the military and he, and he gets this job and, you know, there, there's a meeting coming up and it's a nine o'clock meeting. So he gets there at 830, he's dressed to the T's and everyone shows up five minutes late, 10 minutes late. And he's like, you know, all the other, his teammates were going, you know, his other employees are saying, hey, Anthony, man, you can't show up on time. You're making us look bad. <laughs> right. And he's like, why wouldn't you show up on time? Why wouldn't you show up prepared? Why wouldn't you show up dressed, you know, professionally, all this kind of stuff. So there's, I think, a a little bit of a disappointment too when they get in the workforce and find out that people want to take credit for your work. Um, they're all about themselves, right? And you'll never hear a soldier, Marine or sailor airman say, I did this or I did that. It was, we did this, we did that. It's such a team effort, you know, that I think they get a little bit frustrated by the individuality of people in the civilian world. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like that's one of the biggest and, and most common complaints about most work environments is that people feel isolated in the work that they're doing, even when they're working in a team environment, or they feel like other people are, are taking the credit or competing against them. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting to, to hear you say that because the military, you know, in the military, from, the, from what I understand, is really focusing on how do you compete with yourself, but serve your team and serve your squad. And I think that that's a really interesting concept. You know, if you can look at bringing that into your team environment so that, you know, I've, I've learned some of the most incredible lessons from reading leadership books by former military and Navy SEALs because they really understand the value of you performing at the top of your game while simultaneously uh, having somebody else's back, right? And having it not be about you specifically. Um, that's, yeah, that's a great point, Connor, because... The, the stronger their team, right, the better they'll work as a unit. And I think, you know, in the workforce, I don't think that's that's the case in a lot of situations. So everyone wants to get stronger individually. And yeah, I mean, there's some amazing leadership books out there by military that I highly recommend. Your, your, and I'm sure Extreme Ownership, I don't know if you've had Jocko on your show, but or if you've read that book, but you know, talk about, yeah, I mean, talk about, you know, taking ownership of what you do. And these guys do that. These men and women do that. And I think civilians, 
don't take ownership for what they do or what they don't do. And so I think, again, that's, there's just a lot of disappointment uh, in that when they get out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree hundred percent. So, so let's talk about transition because I think this is really, really fascinating. You know, like most people, um, yeah, I've actually had people write in to our podcast before, whether it's through the website or through the Facebook page, and they'll actually talk about a transition that they've been going through in their life, whether, you know, it's a complete stripping down of their identity, you know, they're, they're leaving one field, one, one career to go and pursue something completely different, or they're entering into this new stage of becoming a father uh, or a parent or, or a husband or whatever the case may be. And, and they, you know, are struggling with this transition because oftentimes, you know, when we go through any form of transition, it's very challenging because we're stepping in to the unknown. And so I would love to hear your insight and perspective of how we can start to manage transition. And maybe we'll just start with what are some of the common pitfalls that people fall into when they're, when they're trying to manage transition or when they're stepping into transition? Yeah. So, you know, you, you hit me at a great time. So I've been, you know, doing kind of the same thing. So I have a day job, so I don't get paid for American Dream. I funded the organization personally for 13 years. I still continue to fund it. We've gotten Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach, and Sam Adams, and Advisor Excel, a great company that pitched in. But I have been probably for the last 10 years super unfulfilled with my day job, but it paid me, and I had cash flow to be able to support what I love doing, and that's working with you know, young men and women in the military. And so I've been, boy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there, and uh, I'm, I'm just not gonna tell my wife to listen to this. So in the last probably month, I've had the ups and downs of probably one of the worst parts and some of the best parts of my life. So I don't know if I can use the word dick or not, but yeah, absolutely. I was trying to build my empire, right? I was a dick. I was a dick to my wife. I was a dick to my, to my kids. Um, I was a good dad. I coached them, you know, no one in the community and I was pretty involved in the community would ever think I was like that, but I treated other people people I worked with, clients, better than I did my own family. And again, I wasn't abusive, but I was just, a, I was an a-hole and just in trying to build something. And, and you know, if you, if you chase money and success and all that stuff, you'll never get there because you just can't get there, right? And I'd be jealous. I'd be envious of others, you know, and then I started getting jealous and envious of my kids, right? So my kids are traveling the world right now. My daughter's living in Prague. You know, my younger son went all over the world, Thailand, Croatia, just to kind of experience life. And I'm like, why can't I do all that stuff, right? You know, I paid for my kids' college. They have no debt. And so I was, Connor, I went through a, a big struggle, right? And I felt like, hey, man, you know, I provided all this. And you know, when's someone going to allow me to do what I want to do? So my wife had an honest conversation with me like a month ago and said, listen, if you're going to continue just working hard and, and being angry about it, then go find somebody else. And we were married for 25 years at this point. Connor. This is the first time actually I've ever even spoken about this uh, public. I don't even know if I even told uh, close friends, but, and so it was kind of an eye opener, right? I love her. She's just a great mom and a great wife. And so um, I met with Philip McKernan. This was just before this. I'm going on his retreat this summer and, you, you know you have issues when some of your speakers are with you and then you start talking personally with them and they're like, man, Phil, you, I can see you're struggling. You need some help. So I must be wearing it you know, all over my sleeve. So I'm, I'm literally trying to reinvent myself at 48 years old. And I just want to play a really strong second half. So 
but it's scary and there's so much uncertainty. And I, if I do what I really want to do, my cash flow is going to be crushed by 80%. And what does that look like? Right. And so mm. I have a lot of angst and anxiety around this, but I, I also have a feeling of, hmm, you know, maybe this is what I should, you know, maybe this is a decision I should have made years ago. So yeah, I'm right in the middle of a huge transition in my life. Father. Mm. That's good, man. Well, I, I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate your candid, you know, candid conversation, your honesty and transparency, because I think that's where a lot of people find themselves. You know, at some point in, in their life, some point in, in all of the listeners' lives, they're going to go through some transition, if not several transitions. You know, I've, I've transitioned through careers, through, through families, you know, through relationships, and, and, it's, and it's challenging. So I appreciate you being honest because, man, so, so many people can relate with that. So, so how, have you, how have you seen effective transition happen in the past, whether it's through your own personal experience or, or if you can give us an example, you know, that would be great through, through the military and through the, through the program that you've seen with American Dream U, how have you seen uh, effective transition happen and unfold? What are some of the keys that people need to know? Yeah, so I think it's really, it's really, and I know a lot of, I've, I've listened to a lot of your show that's really just trying to create some, some space, getting some clarity in your life and then take an action on it. I mean, just just go for it, right? I mean, I'm wearing a, a get after a t-shirt today because there's a lot of things I need to get after today. And I think a lot of people just make no decision because they just don't know which direction to go. So, you know, a lot of guys in the military, I'll give you one example, this amazing guy, you know, his name is Jesse, Army Ranger. He was referred to me, he called me and I'm like, you know, hey, Jesse, what are you gonna do when you get out? He's probably nine months out. He goes, I'm gonna be a construction supervisor. I go, okay, what does that look like? Well, it's gonna Maybe decent. I just have to show up at a job site, make sure subs are there, and kind of manage, you know, manage the project. It's like it's easy, it's real easy. And I go, Jesse, you're a ranger, man. You've had 15 deployments in the last 12 years. When have you ever done anything that's easy in your life? Right, Rock Star, Purple Heart, shot, everything. But we went through this talk, and all of a sudden, he's like, I, this is too easy, right? I mean, I think he would have gone you know, crazy doing that. And so all of a sudden he starts driving to all of our events, anywhere they're at in the country, listening to podcasts and books online. He's never, he's never done that ever. And all of a sudden now he's crushing it. He's a consultant. He just spoke at Xbox last week in front of a whole bunch of coders and designers in Seattle. Right. And I still talk to him once a week and he's like, man, I just, and again, he's not quite there, but he's there. And so just, he just took massive action. Um, in a direction where I don't think he knew if it was the right direction. But I, I think that's really the key. And I've seen that a lot with military guys, uh, for sure. They're not they're not afraid of work, but they're just kind of a, a little bit paralyzed in what direction to take when it comes to that work. Yeah, it's interesting. And it, it, specifically with the military, you know, you, you usually have missions that get given to you. And so I can imagine that stepping outside of that space where, you know, the missions are sort of assigned to you, and then, you know, you step out in civilian life, you kind of have to assign your own mission to yourself, you know, and there's this, I, I can imagine it being this sort of like questioning. And I think oftentimes, you know, with people, I specifically see people who are transitioning from a corporate environment or a work environment where, you know, they're working for somebody else, and then they want to transition in the space of being an entrepreneur. They're so used to having, you know, projects given to them 
and quote unquote missions given to them. And then as an entrepreneur, you have to choose that direction, you have to choose that mission. Uh, and, and that can be extraordinarily confronting. Speaking from somebody who, you know, transitioned from Apple into the entrepreneur space, it's been a, it's been a really interesting contrast. So do you see the, the guys that are really successful in, in navigating that component of the transition, just taking, you know, incredible amounts of action and weeding out the parts that don't work and honing in on the parts that do? Is that sort of like this, not the secret, but the, the key to it? Yeah, I, I really think it is, Connor, right? So, I mean, the guys I think that are struggling, and I, and I make about 50 calls a week and get a hold of about 20 people that are in the process of transitioning. The ones that are struggling are the ones that wake up late, right? They don't have anything kind of on their agenda for the day, have no actionable steps. Maybe they'll send out a resume or, you know, they've worked on 10 different business plans. But the ones that have been successful, meaning not money-wise, but the ones that seem fulfilled are the ones that, you know, the night before they write down, you know, only three things they're going to accomplish the next day. You know, they work in, they work in teams, right? They try to recruit as many veterans, you know, buddies as they can, and they just move forward, right? It's like a, it's like a 16 mile rucksack, you know, uh, walk that these guys have to take all the time. It's just like, the secret is just, one step at a time, right? For 16 miles and they crush it wearing an 80 pound pack and, you know, they stop along the way and they rest uh, and they, and they hydrate and they, and they just continue to march on. Right. And I think that's the, the success I've seen in those that are transitioning from the military. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. There's like what I hear in that, in, in what you just offered up in terms of transition for, uh, for, for probably our listeners is, is is to keep to keep moving forward and that continual momentum will allow you to continue to make, create progress but also the the concept of like not being afraid of failure you know there's this great saying your failure has a function and that 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 idea and that saying has really stayed with me for a long time so i think a lot of people of trying to avoid failure and when they're managing transition or when you're managing transition in general there's just going to be failure that's that's inevitable, you know, because you're entering in a new space and you're not going to get things right because you don't know what you don't know. So how does failure all play into this uh, transition for you? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what's interesting is one of our very first events, one of the speakers was talking, Connor, about failure. And the speaker was like, hey, failure's, you know, failure's good, you know, fail quick and often. And, um, you know, this guy stood up and he's like, sir, you know, failure is not an option in our business. It's just, it can lead to, you know, injuries, uh, missions not being complete. It can even lead to death. And so we don't like to use the word failure. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I think they go into their transition thinking if they fail at anything. You know, I had a guy, you know, hit me up and said, you know, sir, I, I sent out close to 500 resumes on whatever the website is, ZipRecruiter or Indeed or whatever, and I only got one person that responded to me. Uh, obviously, no one no one thinks I had any value. I'm like, dude, I go, that's that's okay. But first off, no one reads, his, you know, reads resumes anymore, right? You got to reach out to him. And he had this, you know, I could just tell in his voice, he thought he had just failed, mm-hmm. right? Didn't want to tell his wife that he only got, you know, one person that was interested in him. And so failure is not a word that the military is accustomed to using. 
Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it, it's fascinating because I think for a lot of people in, in modern society, it's kind of the same way, not to the same degree by any means, and not for the same reasons or the, or the same potential outcomes. But I think that the avoidance of fear is, is very prominent. And so when people go into transitions, you know, whether they're moving on to a new job or whether it's with a new company or they're starting a new business, there definitely is that fear of failure. So how, how can people, when they're managing their transitions, how can they overcome, maybe not overcome, but how can they sort of work with and move through that, that fear of failure? I mean, I think first off, whether you're in the military or you're a spouse or just, you know, you or I, failure is going to happen. And it's just, it's working, it's moving past beyond that, right? I mean, there's so many stories about how people failed literally hundreds, thousands of times. And they just kept, you know, they had that purpose in their life that they weren't, they don't, they didn't care about failure, right? It's one thing that didn't work and they're just going to continue to move on. And so, yeah, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm failing daily, right? Hourly on things that I want to move forward on. And it's, if you have a big enough mission and a purpose and a big enough why, I think failure, you're going to just plow right through it. And, and again, for the military, you know, for those men and women out there listening, man, it's okay. It's okay to fail, right? It's jot it down in a journal and figure out what you did, what you didn't do and, and move on. I'll give you one great example. So I wrote a book called Mission Next. I interviewed, you know, a hundred amazing veteran entrepreneurs and business leaders and had them kind of look back and say, listen, if you could go 12, 24 months before you transition out, what would you do? And there was one guy, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He listed the top 50 companies that he wanted to work with. And he started at number 50 and he interviewed with that company. And he said he just completely failed at that interview. Went to his car right after the thing and said, okay, these are the questions they asked me. Uh, here's what, well, how I answered. And then he went down to number 49 and then 48. Connor, by his top 20, I think he got 16 offers out of his top 20 companies that he want to work for because he just, he failed through and then just learned, 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 and then just crushed it you know, towards the end. And then his big decision was, which offer do I take? And so I think a lot of people can use that type of a process because it's, it's, it's okay to screw up. Right. I mean, you know, I've screwed up twice on this interview already. Right. You know, once in the beginning and then I somehow screwed my mic up <laughs> and it's just, you get flustered and you don't know what to do. And, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good way to approach failure. Yeah. And I think that for most people that have an internal script or like narrative that's running around failure and around their fears. And like, you know, for a long time, I had those running in the background. I actually wrote down this quote on a sticky note one day and it has, it sat, I had this iMac that sat on my desk uh, and it sat on my iMac until I moved and it went on my whiteboard where I do all my work. And it sat there and it's like this old crinkled, like nasty looking uh, little sticky note. And it just says, I can face any fear. I can overcome any obstacle. I can bounce back from any failure. And for me, that's, that's really, that, that mantra has like kept me alive in so many ways. Because I think for a lot of people, when, we, when we're managing those transitions, whether it's financially or in a relationship or whatever, we just don't know how to do it. We have a, we have a program that's running in the background or a script that's running in the background that says that, you know, buckle under fear, run away from fear, or, you know, some obstacles are too big to move over. Or if I fail, 
I'll never be able to get back up off the mat. And I think one of the one of the cool things about the military is that they really they they teach you a mindset of they they really do teach an incredible mindset of being able to move forward. And you've talked about that a few times. What are some of the other mental uh, or or mindset components that you see the military men and women having that serve them well when they get out and transition into civilian life? Yeah, you know, you, know, you said obstacle a few times in that in that conversation, and we'd had we've had Ryan Holiday speak a few times, and he's got that incredible book, you know, Obstacles the Way. And I think that military man, they don't they look at an obstacle and they go, okay, we'll go through it, we'll go around it, we'll go under it. There's just no obstacles for them, right? When it comes to their training and and to get to the mission on the other side of that obstacle. And I think sometimes when they get in the civilian world, I think they get a little bit frustrated on on some of the obstacles that they don't have as much control over, or they feel like maybe they don't understand what some of the resources they have in terms of what they've been trained at in the military. So again, it's it's man, it's it's difficult, and I and I feel for these guys because I look at them, and and you'll get to meet them, Connor, and all of our speakers are like, man, these young men and women have so much to offer, but they just don't get it. They don't understand what they have to offer an employer, and they have to confidently but not arrogantly, you know, approach an employer or a situation or a team and say, listen, I know how to get stuff done, right? I mean, I, I've been I've been deployed, I've had few resources. You know, I've fighting guys. I don't even know who I'm fighting anymore, right? I mean, it's not the typical, you know, war, you know, World War II. It's there's one guy on, you know, guys on one side and the other side. I mean, these the wars these guys are fighting, it's it's mentally, it's gotta be so mentally dragging on them that they don't even know exactly who the enemy is. Does that make sense, Connor? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, they're they're man, I, I think a lot of civilians can learn, like you said, from some of these leadership books by the military. That man, you just got to bust through these obstacles, man. You just got to keep running and just and just plow through them. Yeah, it's again, it's um, yeah. And I'll I'll plug Ryan's book. I don't know if you've had Ryan on your show. Not yet. Um, Not yet, but I would love he, to. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll definitely do an introduction. And we actually created a workbook around the obstacles of the way, and we've had literally hundreds of soldiers and Marines go through that, and it's just like they get it. Right, they get, they get obstacles. So, yeah, man, transitions are so interesting and they're so and they're so difficult. So, no, I, I appreciate what you're doing, Connor, and sharing this with your with your tribe. Yeah, of course, man. I, I think one of the other cool things that I that I love about the the work that you've done is you actually have a book out that's called Mission Next. And you know, it, I think in that book you've and your team interviewed, you know, uh, I think it was a hundred people. Was it a hundred? Yeah, we, yeah. I, I personally interviewed over a hundred individuals, uh, veterans, uh, men and women, both in the entrepreneurial space, and then are just business leaders. Nice. And and do you have any like would any of those people stand out to our audience? Like, would they know some of those people? Uh, well, yeah. The founder of Make a Wish uh, was a veteran. Kelly Purdue, who won the I think the first season of of The Apprentice. Uh, there's a guy named Scott Mann, who's uh, a Green Beret uh, decorated guy. He's all over the news right now. And yeah, I would I would highly recommend your audience track down some of those interviews because they all they do is talk about obstacles and how they've how they've defeated them. Steve Blank's another one, the, one of the founders of the of the lean startup movement, took eight companies public, never went to college. And he credits the military with giving him the skills and, and that kind of march on attitude to, to get stuff done. Incredible. And, and in terms of, in terms of the book and, and all the interviews that you did, were there a few takeaways that you started to notice that were 
like red threads or commonalities between between all these people? Because I'm I'm assuming that you know the book is really revolved around uh, you, you know moving things forward and and progress. So were there a couple things that really stood out to you that were commonalities amongst a lot of your interviews? Yeah, so I think I think routines. Right in the military, you wake up, you do PT. I mean, these guys get more stuff done before six than than most civilians do for the entire day. I think one thing that's really interesting is they do an after action review. So whether it's a training mission or an actual mission, they all sit down as a group and go, okay, what worked? What didn't work? How can we improve? What can we do to our training to get us you know, more focused and more dialed in the precision? So I was fortunate to have a dinner with uh, with the Navy SEAL who shop in Laden and right they trained for eight months, built this house that they you know that he lived in and all of a sudden the helicopter crashes right in the front yard, kind of eliminates the entire element of surprise. But they were so trained in terms of contingencies that they were prepared, and I think a lot of civilians aren't prepared. And so I think the biggest the biggest takeaway I got out of it was. You got to be prepared. You got to get yourself into routines, right? You got to be mentally and physically prepared for anything to happen to you. Yeah. And they're just, they had one mission, right? It's either prepare to to go fight, where I think as, as a lot of civilians, and I know this is one thing I'm working on, I've got 10 priorities, right? You, can ha- you can't have 10 priorities, as, as Greg McEwen says. And these guys when they're transitioning, they wish they would have focused just on the transition and, and gotten that more dialed in. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's fascinating dealing with these guys, Connor. It's man, they're just such a great group of people. Um, incredible. Amazing. Amazing, man. I, I mean, I love the mission and I love the concept of the book as well. And, and I just love the work that you're doing for the military. Like, you know, you and I had talked about, looking at how we could get involved in some capacity in, in Canada and, and, you know, do something similar uh, up in Canada. Cause I think the work that you're doing and, you know, bringing in these influential people, it's, it's like an, not like an outreach program, but it really gives them a different perspective. So on that note, if there are people who want to get involved with American dream, you, or want to find out more about your organization and the work that you, that you're doing, how can they get in touch or, or involved with you? Yeah. So just, you know, uh, American dream, the letter U.org. Uh, we've got a huge list of of speakers on our waiting list, but if anyone wants to either mentor or coach a veteran or a spouse, that would be outstanding. You know, a lot of a lot of times they just need validation for what they're going through and the decisions they're making, because they don't have that team around them for that validation. That's what I'm finding most in that aspect. And then, yeah, let's let's talk about Canada because I've been approached by several people to get something going similar in Canada. And again, I'm not a Canadian citizen, but the stuff that you're doing, if you just set up just to fac- or facilitate it, kind of what you do for, for man talks and your groups, just for the Canadian military, that would be a game changer for them. I know that would be, and you and I have talked about this, it'd be a game changer here in the U.S., yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, we've we've kind of built the infrastructure for all that, but yeah, man. I, I mean, so incredible. So for the all the listeners out there, if you wanted to get involved in American Dream, you were in some way, shape, or form. If you wanted to learn more or give back, uh, you know, we we always have people reaching out and saying, you know, hey, I want to be able to give back in my community. This is an incredible, incredible way to do so. 
Um, I'm giving my time and energy and efforts to it because I believe in it. Even as a Canadian, I believe it. And I just love the work that you're doing. So I appreciate you coming on the show, Phil. And then uh, my last question is if you could recommend one person, this is something that we've started asking people and it's been pretty cool. If you could recommend one person who you feel would, would add value to our listeners and the conversation, who would you recommend? Wow. So, I mean, your guests are the guests you've had that are incredible. That's a great question. I mean, one person to recommend to your group that maybe they haven't, aren't familiar with, or just one person in general? Um, whatever you feel most comfortable with, either in general or yeah. if they're not familiar with. You know, I'm, I'm digging really deep into Greg McEwen stuff right now mm. and his whole essentialism. And I've read the book at least a handful of times and I'm, I've done a, a, you know, what he calls a quarterly offsite. And then, gosh, it's so funny when you mentioned Philip McKernan, I'm going on his retreat in Dublin because I know, I know there's more for me personally. And so the more I can study those guys and then share with the military. So I would, I would, I would tell your listeners to dig really deep into those two, those two cats They're they're amazing guys. And, and Philip McKernan, I don't know if you spent time with him personally, but he's an Irish leprechaun that'll, that just uncovers things that you never knew existed tells you you're screwed up and then he and then he fixes you or at least i hope he's going to fix me in <laughs> ireland because i got some issues i uh, uh, we've so we've had uh for the listeners out there we've had greg McEwen on the podcast you can check out his episode essentialism and we actually have had phil mckernan was actually our first interview and we have him lined up to come back on the podcast for a second one um i call i call philip the bullshit pressure washer he just like he just sees the BS that's in your life and just helps you pressure wash it off. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that. And if people wanted to get in touch with you personally, Phil, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, just hit me up on email, Phil, P-H-I-L, at American Dream, uh, the letter U.org, or I have a personal website, which probably no one even cares about, but it's just philrandazzo.com. And then, you know, Twitter at American Dream U and all those kind of things. And um yeah. So, so, you know, if your listeners see, uh, you know, someone in a uniform, just tell them that, you know, you appreciate them. Right. And that's it. And I appreciate you and, and getting the message out and I can't wait to hang with you and, and I'm going to put you through uh, an unbelievable experience uh, at the military base for sure. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Well, that, that'll definitely be up on social media when, when, uh, when we do it, if we can have it on social media or there'll be pictures of the aftermath. So I appreciate you and appreciate your time today, Matt, because this is an important conversation around transitions. So for all of the other listeners out there in Mantox land, thank you so much for tuning in and dialing in this week's episode. And I will catch you next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring man. Mm-hmm.